Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page 29, the last page of There is a Solution, and we'll be reading and commenting on the third paragraph that begins, we hope no one will consider, and ending in, I must have this thing. And we'll be commenting on that one paragraph. Today's readers, and thank you for your service this morning, for the 12 steps, Esther F., the 12 traditions, Julie P., readers of the text, Susan S.H., Ramona A., and Vanessa G., Our newcomer greeter is Kathy M., and our second-hour host is Janice P.M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, September 20th, 2022, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, it's 19,424. That's 19424. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, it's 19,425. That's 19425. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, uh, except when to do so for do so would injure them or others. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ten, Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Stopped with prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. 
having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. And I will now ask Julie P. to please read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Julie P., gratefully recovered in northern Minnesota. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. With that, I pass, and thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Julie P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. In the, on page 29, there is a solution on the third paragraph, the third and last paragraph that begins, we hope no one will consider and ends, I must have this thing. And comments will be on that one paragraph. And I'll now ask Susan S.H. to please begin reading. Thank you, Lisa. This is Susan S.H. in Ohio. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. 
We hope no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. Our hope is that many alcoholic men and women desperately in need will see these pages, and we believe that is only that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say yes. I am one of them too. I must have this thing. And uh, this paragraph this morning, uh, we hope no one will consider these accounts in bad taste, came to me. And yeah, our, our stories, the experiences that got us here are gritty, sometimes unpleasant, and I am drawn to the truth of them. The truth of them is what kept me coming back when I was just going to meetings and not having really any clue what my next what my next step was to be. Just that I could hear. Um, it was a relief to hear these people who apparently seemed happy, joyous, and free recall their journey here and just how bad or how gross or how crazy it was. I could identify in. They really do understand it. I hope and pray that I don't shy away from recalling my low points. I can truly share them, and there is depth and weight that I can help another still suffering, compulsive over ear, to say that I'm one of them too. I must have this thing. Um, my honesty with the low points and my honesty with, well, just what I was like, what changed, what happened, and what it's like now. Uh, it's amazing that my story can carry that depth and weight. And, yeah, it's it's why I don't shy away from the past nor regret the past or wish to hide it. Um, it's my gift to people who are still suffering. And, uh, yeah, I hope I can use it and share it and help others wherever I go. So um, good to review this and reread this paragraph. And remember again, my worst experiences are sometimes the most valuable. And um, with that, I guess I will pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Susan S.H., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So if you shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back. And who would like to share on what was read this morning? Julie K. Tina S. Julie. Janet. Katie F. Tina. Janet H. Janet I got Linda D. Tina Dara L. L. Okay. Janet B. I got Janet B. Dara L. So I, I have Julie. I didn't get Julie's last initial, and there was somebody between Julie and Tina. Catherine S. Catherine. Catherine S. Okay, let me see. Julie P. Catherine S. Tina S. Oh my gosh. Linda B. Did you hear? Janet B. Dara L. One more. Katie F. Oh, Katie F. 
Okay, I better stop there, Loretta H., and I will um, we'll pick up some next time. I'm sorry if I missed you this go-round. Um, Julie P., you're up, followed by Catherine S. Did I get that right, Julie? It wasn't Julie P. Different okay. Julie. Julie K. Yeah, it was Julie me. K. Okay, there yes. you are, Julie. Please share with us. Hi. Great. Hi, I'm Julie K. I'm a bravely recovering compulsive overeater in Connecticut. And I will never forget going into my first OA meeting on Park Avenue in New York City and hearing someone talk about all of the horrible, secretive ways that I ate food. And, you know, I, I thought that I was so unique. I thought I was the only one. Um, and there was so much shame around the things that I had done and was doing with food. I never would have stayed if that young woman hadn't told the down and dirty and honest, you know, like someone said, grit of what it means to be a compulsive overeater. And, you know, we don't always like to hear people's food logs. That I understand. They're need the hope and we need the you know what happened and what it's like now but as a newcomer one of the most important things for me is to hear what it was like is to hear the story so that I can connect with another person and I never thought that that was possible I thought I was the only one who ate out of the garbage I thought I was the only one who prayed for this fat to just go away without any effort whatsoever. I just wanted it to magically disappear. I thought I was the only one who had been on every diet, gone to every fat camp, and still had no willpower, because that's what I thought it was. And so, you know, for me, the stories are what binds us, really. And I would not be sitting here today on this phone if I had not heard about that woman's bottom. And not everyone is a low-bottom compulsive overeater. Um, but for those of us that are, connecting with that part of ourselves in another human being is a miracle. Uh, at least it was for me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Julie K. And Catherine S., you're up, followed by Tina S. Catherine, press star one. Maybe I misheard that, Catherine. Okay, Tina S., are you available, followed by Linda D.? Thanks so much, Lisa, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great paragraph, some great shares this morning. You know, and I'm so grateful. The title to this chapter is There is a Solution. You know, and I'd been looking for a solution for 30 years before I came into Overeaters Anonymous. You know, the last house on the block for sure. And, you know, the gift was, and it's already been shared, is that I came to a meeting and somebody shared my story. You know, they t- said things that I never said, th- again, that, you know, I thought I only did, that I was unique. And, you know, and it talks in the previous couple previous paragraphs to this one that, you know, this book, you know, gives us clear cut directions. 
you know, for a solution, which is a spiritual awakening, you know, which I thought it was just a diet. And then it also says it gives clear-cut descriptions of the people and how they how they found their God, <laughs> which is the answer, you know. And I wanted it to be a diet again. I wanted it to be it's. I wanted it to be something different. But the good news is, is that it is this, and that you know I keep coming back because, especially on this line, and I go to other meetings too, because I hear you know the similarities. I, I identify. When I first got here, sponsors talked about don't compare, identify. Well, you know that's not what I did. I compared for sure, and eventually, when I was in enough pain, I started to identify, and. Um, you know, and I can identify all that, all that painful stuff and, and that people in the rooms, too, were happy, joyous, and forever that that was shared because if that wasn't the case, I would not keep coming back, you know. But, again, you know, even though I can relate to you and all this stuff, there's work to be done because there is a solution, and the only way through that is through the clear-cut directions in the book that give through the 12 steps that transform me, the transformation that comes about through the spiritual awakening, that I'm a different person and I can live free today. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina F. I think I just might have gotten Catherine F. incorrectly. So, Linda D., you're up, followed by Janet B. I'm sorry. I thought maybe Catherine F. was that Jasmine S.? Good morning, everyone. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. Well, everybody has said everything I've been through, except uh, my life, my particular set of circumstances. And I'm in a rehab right now um, to go home because I had a wicked infection. I didn't even know I had it. And thanks to a young mother in this program, I found out through her text that um by God, you have an infection. Do you know that? It changed my whole life. It turned everything around. And I'm sure she doesn't realize how important she is to me. So I'm telling her indirectly right now. Um, I'm on my way home. I'll be home next week. And what am I going to take with me? So much experience. So many people I love. So much. I've learned how to love deeper and deeper and deeper because I've had to give up control of everything. They tell you what to eat. They tell you what to do. Um, you don't have to nosedive into pizza to end up sick, really physically sick. And then you're, I don't want to say at the mercy, but you, you're in an institution that they do what they do. So it's the best they got, and you deal with it. Well, how do I do that? Well, it's because of this program. If I didn't have this meeting in particular, OA for half my life, but this meeting in particular, I wouldn't even know the prize. The prize is a relationship with love. And it's bigger than human love, but it includes human love. And it's so wonderful to learn, as someone recently said, how to love deeper and deeper, how to be a wife, a mother, um, a, a patient, a person in the world who doesn't give a crap about anything except loving. And I can do that a lot. Or I can spend time being bewildered and trying to figure it out. I can't figure life out. I just know love heals, and it's what feels good, and it comes from God. Thanks. I pass. 
Thank you, Linda D. And Jasmine, if you'll hang in there, I'll slide you in after Janet B. Janet, please share with us. Hi, good morning. It's Janet B. Recovered from Compulsive Eating in New Jersey. What a beautiful last line this is. I must have this thing. And I was thinking about it like, okay, what is this thing we must have? And for my first six and a half years in OA, I thought it was just really like the ability to stick to a food plan. And honestly, unfortunately, that's what was given to me. I walked into OA. I said, okay, yes, I admit it. I'm powerless. My life is unmanageable. And people would say, great, now that you've admitted you're powerless, here's a food plan, stick to it. Well, that doesn't make sense. That's like someone going to an oncologist, the oncologist showing them a scan saying, see, now you, it proves you have cancer. And they say, great, I admit I have cancer and my life is unmanageable. And the doctor saying, great, now make your cancer cells stop multiplying. I mean, that would be insane. And it was insane what was said to me. You admit you're powerless, great. Now stick to a food plan because I didn't have the power. But this thing I must have, it's what the step 12 promises us. Having had a spiritual awakening or a spiritual experience as the result of these steps, that's what's promised. And it's so beautiful the way our book describes it on page 25, that God comes into our hearts and minds and lives in a way that is miraculous that God basically comes into my soul and rewires it. So my selfishness, self-centeredness gets just kind of rewired, and I start being able to love and care about others and being God-centered and other-centered. And that's what a spiritual experience is, that God comes in and changes me. And as a result of that, I get the power I need. It's like... I'm not a botanist, but I assume that like roses and can only grow in certain soil and weeds only grow in certain soil. And in a spiritual experience, God changes the soil of my soul so that the illness of compulsive eating can't live there anymore. It's just like it's an inhospitable environment to it and only love can grow. And that's what happens when I surrender myself to God and do the work of these steps. That is this thing that I must have. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janet B. And Jasmine S., you're up, followed by Dara L. Hello, can I be heard? Um, it's a little, you sound a little far away. Is this better? No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Okay, so, there we go. Okay. So I to relate to what somebody said a few shares ago, um I, sorry, Jasmine S from Virginia. Um, recovering compulsive overeater. Um when I heard the reading I just felt like I was reminded of the fact that I am more often than not comparing rather than identifying in. And I know that that is not the truth because like the other person shared in the beginning of the reading, I too ate from the trash can. However, I think this disease makes me, it makes me want to believe that I got this and I'm in control and I'm, you know, it's, that was so long ago. I haven't done that in years, you know? So it's like this feeling of 
oh, you, you got this. And it wants me to believe that I'm in control to take me from my higher power because it wants to kill me. And I know that. And reading or, or hearing this reading just reminded me of that. And I'm so grateful for it. And I really also appreciate the previous share about the new soil in our heart. And I feel like that's what the step four is what happens when we do that. And to hear the accounts of all these people that, you know, in this case, the alcoholics or the overeaters now in this group, hearing it and reminding myself, even if it's just that little bit of a morsel that I can get, you know, oh, I did do that. Yeah, I may not have done that, but I did that, you know. So it is very reassuring and I'm grateful, grateful to be here. Thank you for service with that I pass. Thank you, Jasmine S. And Dara L., you're up, followed by KDS. Hi, great. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Philadelphia. And um, I was really struck by self-revealing and fully disclosing ourselves and our problems. And I was thinking about how before I came back to program, I, I harbored this belief that if people really knew me, then they wouldn't love me, you know. And so I walked around very dishonest about who I was and what was driving me and the things that I was doing behind closed doors. And this program doesn't work. <laughs> it's not compatible with dishonesty, right? Like um, the big book says that those who cannot get this are those who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And so, you know, what does that mean, right? That means that I, step one, I have to really get clear about the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. I have to get honest about that. Step four and five, I have to fully disclose myself to God and to another human being. And, you know, in daily 10 steps, I have to tell the truth about the things that drive me. And the 12th step, I have to continue to carry the message and to, and to talk about, like, who I really am present and who I was past and, and what that's like. And, and so for someone like me who spent their life, you know, basically concealing and, and trying not to reveal the depths of who I am, like this program is so antithetical and I need God in order to tell the truth about myself. But what baffles me is just how inspiring and how um, beautiful it is to both be honest with others and to have others be honest with me. And it's like, so counterintuitive. I feel like everything spiritual is such a paradox, but, um, you know, I sit down with someone and they talk to me about the crazy things that they did with food. And it's like, I love them because they're telling me the truth, you know, or I get to take a fifth step and someone tells me about how they, you know, they're driven by homicidal tendencies. And I'm like, Oh, I love you so much. Like, yeah, get it girl. You know? Um, and in step tens, I, I have many people on this line who are dear friends who I call them and I'm like, I'm resentful and I'm a pain in the butt today, but I'm calling you. So help me get out of myself, you know? And like, it doesn't go away, this full disclosure, this ability to tell the truth and then to invite God into those dark spaces, you know, the, the places in me that I believe are broken. And um, there's a Japanese art form called Kintsukori where basically like we, you know, um, things are broken. These pieces of China or whatever are like broken and the artist takes gold adhesive and glues them back together. And to me, um, and like somehow it makes the things more priceless. And to me, that's what recovery is, right? It's like I take all of my brokenness, I present it to other people and to God. And then I watch, like I watch that coming together 
um, in a way that is more priceless than I could ever imagine. And so with that, I'll pass, and thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Dara L. And Katie F., you're up, followed by Loretta H. Hi, this is Katie F. from Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. And uh, this paragraph is um, everyone said kind of what I was going to say, but I came into um, OA, I came the first time when I was 14 years old, and I totally did not identify. I thought it was dumb and you know, this isn't that big a deal, and why, you know, forget this. And I came back when I was 21, and I still, although I was at a new bottom and I, I had failed at dieting for seven more years, I I still just couldn't identify with, with certain people who were uh, had a lower bottom than me. And this one woman would share this, like, list of all the food she would buy and I thought oh my god I would never do that until I did and in the room I hit a bottom that was bottomless that I could not um, I mean I ate so much food it was unbelievable and that is when I identified in and I have never looked back since then and as was just shared, you know, when people share their uh, food histories with me and share, you know, a four-step and um, and everything that they've done, I never say anymore, oh, I can't imagine doing that. You know, I totally identify in, and I know, and I remember what it was like when I was in the food, even though it was a long time ago, I remember exactly what it was like, and I believe that this is a progressive disease and that that is just waiting for me if I decide that I have graduated and don't need this program anymore. But I have given, been given so much in recovery that I, why would I want to do that? You know, so I'm just so grateful for the willingness to keep on keeping on even when, um, you know, I could um, easily just fade away and no one would ever, um, think about me again, but this uh, is not a program that you do it once and then you don't have to do it anymore, and I'm really grateful with that I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. And Loretta H., please share with us. Lisa, thank you for hearing me. I didn't think you could, so I wasn't prepared. But And thank you, everybody on this line, along with my very precious God, who saves my life every day. I, um, also, I came into these rooms as an agnostic and very agnostic. And I am so grateful that I actually opened my two ears to open my heart because your ears make a heart and the two ears and listen to other people who shared my darkness. But then seeing them, as as it says on one um, twenty eight, our darkest past is our greatest asset because that we can avert mystery and death for others. And when I came into the rooms, that's what happened to me. And then today, with God's grace and mercy, I can actually carry that message in all my affairs and that honesty is that for it's the first honest day of work I did when I walked in the room and gave somebody else my food 
that was my God. That was my everything. I lived in the disease for 54 years. I did not show up for my father's death when he wanted to make amends for his alcoholism because I was just, you know, I wasn't a very good person. And um, I didn't want to be found out because on the outside, I look pretty good. And today I reveal everything because without that, I don't have a chance. And the first thing, of course, I am so powerless over food. And then that little dash in that depth is my hopelessness. But now I am not helpless. I have you. I have the stories. I have my beautiful steps that are that treasure map that actually my spiritual imperfection can be healed. And I do have a tapestry today with all those broken pieces, as somebody shared, where Humpty Dumpty can be put back together again and actually have a light to shine on somebody else's path. And with that, I pass. I loved all the shares. They helped me so much today. And thank you. And thank God. Thank you, Loretta H. And just a reminder that we are on page 29. We're on the third and last paragraph of the chapter, There is a Solution. It begins, we hope no one will consider, and ends in, I must have this thing. So who else would like to share this morning? Jen A. Lisa B. Larry Jen. K. Elizabeth A. Larry, hang on, Lisa B. Nancy P. Larry K. Nancy, and I got Barbara. Alexis F. Nancy P. Okay, let me let me back up just a second. I have Jen A, Lisa B, Larry K, Nancy P, Barbara E, and then there was someone F, Vanita L, Vanita L, Elizabeth P. Okay, Elizabeth. Okay, I think we'll stop there and see how we go. So, Jen A., you're up, followed by Lisa B. Did I hear that right, Jen A., star one? Okay, maybe I got that wrong. Lisa B., are you available? I am. Can you hear me? Okay, I've got two people. It was this Jen A. Jen and a. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> I was playing the muting game this morning. So on, so on, so on. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Jen A. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here in Colorado. And um, I was just opening my book this morning and, and reading this. But I think the biggest thing is the sticker on the front of my book. And it says, from desperation to transformation in Estes Park, Colorado, in 2018. It was a retreat that we had here in Colorado. And, you know, I think about that desperation. Because I didn't come in, really, to Overeaters Anonymous totally desperate. I will say I came because I thought I had a problem. And I knew, you know, someone had uh, said, you know, come to this program. It helps me with drugs and alcohol. Maybe it will help you with food. And um, I had a desire. And I remember, you know, like we give a desire chip to people who first walk in. And we say in the meetings that if you desire to stop eating, that's, you know, you can be here. That's membership. 
Um, but really, desire has to be accompanied by some type of belief that I am totally desperate, dying, and doomed. And those are my favorite words um, to use in this program, right? Um, because if I'm not, if I'm not desperate, then then I can still handle life. I can still do things, and that's and that's what I did. That's what I did for months and months and months in the room. So I, I'm at a pray to prayer like you guys do. You know, I wish I may, I wish I might not eat one more stinking bite as I left meetings. That was that was kind of like my God shot. Like that was my prayer. Um, but eventually, I became so desperate, strapped back underneath the bakery bags and boxes, the exercise, the pills and the potions. Um, that, you know, yearning for a new way was not going to produce it. Praying foxhole prayers was not going to produce it. Only ending the old way would do that. And the solution is, is that there's spiritual help that's going to do that. And today I can sit here on this line and go, you know, six years into program and, and, and recovered, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and not eating alcoholic foods, not even desiring the alcoholic foods is a freaking miracle. So how do I do it? It says in here, take action. And so many people have beautifully described what we have to do. I can't just sit there and declare I'm not going to eat those things and that I want to live a new way of life. No, I have to take action. And how do I do that? I have to clean out the old to make room for the new. And that's one of my favorite, like, little, like, nuggets of a line. Clean out the old to make room for the new. And I don't just do that one time. You know, like I'm still cleaning out the old to make room for the new in relationships with kids and coworkers and jobs and things and just anything that comes up. I have to constantly be doing this house cleaning because cobwebs are going to build up, crap's going to happen in my life, and I can't just sit there in denial and just be delusional that, you know, none of that's going to happen to me. No, I have to admit it, see the truth, and turn it over to what? The secrets, God, I know somebody let it out of the bag, but it's just so, it's so amazing that that brokenness that somebody talked about could, could transform me and that now I'm living hand in hand to the best of my ability with my creator. That's the miracle. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Glad we got you unmuted. And Lisa B, you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Thanks so much. Um, this is Lisa BT. Um, I'm in Ontario, Canada, and I am a grateful, recovered, um, compulsive overeater. I'm very thankful for this meeting. Um, I think for me, um, what really is standing out is this idea, um, and really it is what got me into the rooms and kept me in the rooms, even though I struggled in other ways, was other people's stories. Um, because uh, for the, really for the first time, I realized um, it's not just me. Um, well before I came into program, I was by myself at home. I was a teenager. Uh, my eating started quite young in life. And there was a woman comedian on, and she was joking. And she said, you know, oh, yeah, you know, like when you, you know, go to the garbage and get out the cake you threw away. And I literally, like, like just bolted upright and looked all around the room. Who could be in here as well? Because you mean somebody else does that? And I, I honestly had no idea. Um, and I was not going to tell anybody either, although it was obvious on my body, um, because it was just, I was just filled with such, uh, shame and, um, that it must just be me. So, um, coming into the rooms, um, my very first meeting, very first, um, uh, OA meeting, I just thought, these are my people. Um, and I was so grateful. I was in my forties at that point and I've never left, 
for that reason. Um, and the healing has come along the way, my own healing. Um, even things like when I first learned the seven-step prayer, um, and I would say the words good and bad, and I would just shudder at, the, at those words and think, no, God couldn't possibly, I'm bad. God, I couldn't possibly be acceptable. And that healing has come. And it's come because I'm part of a fellowship where, um, you know, I don't, what's the phrase? I don't have to rise above the level of human. Um, but part of that humanity is to be around other people and to grow together and to be of service. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lisa B.T. And Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning. Good morning, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Uh, love all the shares. So what it says here is it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I'm one of them too. I must have this thing. And what I find is there, there's many gifts of disclosure, you know, when we're able to disclose ourselves, which isn't easy. But when we're able to fully disclose ourselves, truly disclose ourselves, what happens is, is there's amazing opportunities for healing. We find it in this room. It's disclosure is a God thing. Unmasking is a God thing, and it's not easy. We're afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of shame, shame of the things that we've done. We're afraid of getting caught. We're human beings, right? There's all these things. We're imperfect human beings. But disclosing ourselves to others, and that's what the steps do. It gets us to a point, hopefully over time, for a lifetime, that it facilitates the healing of like that compartmentalized, distorted thinking. And it, get, it shines a light on it. And through that comes healing, and through that comes a closer relationship with God. Intimacy. Into me you see. And that's what I hear from the stories of others. And it's, a, it's, it's not that you, you cross over, and there you are. Now I am fully willing to disclose myself. Now I am a fully functioning, integrated, intimate human being. No, that's not human. But I see it in people. I see it in my sponsor. Disclosure provides an opportunity, for example, for the cheating partner to unmask, and it begins a process of discovering her true self and allowing herself to be known. That's the key, to be known, encountered by others, right, in, in, in spiritual ways. We learn how to take responsibility for our behavior, and we learn how to make amends for the impact the behaviors had on others. And we don't do it perfectly and we're afraid to do it. It's not easy. It's a lifetime thing. I'm still learning. I'm not saying I do it perfectly. There's people on this line that know I don't. But I would tell you what, God is in my heart and God is changing me and has been for many years and continues to do. That's what this is about. The disclosure, the unmasking. With that, uh, with gratitude, with that I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Nancy P., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Hi, Nancy P., recovered in Western Massachusetts. Thank you for letting me share, and thank you for your service. So this paragraph is, um, I was sort of, I've read it literally thousands and thousands of times. I've, I've had, I got my big book for, for a gift 
as a gift from my parents in 1979, and I've read it ever since then. And, um, you know, the idea that I could stop at all was just literally like a really hard math problem, the kind of math that doesn't even have any numbers in it, like hard math. And I couldn't, it was completely unfathomable to me. But, you know, as I progressed going into the program, you know, working the steps, this final last time was when I recovered, um, I began to feel better. And so I see the solution. I see there is a solution. It's a promise. It's a diagnosis. Um, and it allowed me to see not only that I was powerless over food, but the more insidious problem that my life was unmanageable. And the evidence, the data was rolled out right in front of me in, in you know, just in abundance, just let's put it that way. And the solution was scary to me. You know, I never had any relief for decades, decades of this mental obsession. Sometimes my body was the right size, but it was like the sort of Damocles hanging over me. I, was, I knew it was just going to, you know, I knew I was going to eat always. And, um, you know, how could I give up my morning dozen donuts? And how could I give up my afternoon dozen donuts? It, it just was, it was just unfathomable. But you know, I also, that last bit, I must have this thing. I did, in fact, recover. I did every single thing that my sponsor told me to do immediately and as hard as I could. And today, the word must means to be obliged. And I must have this thing. I go out and get it. I Today, I work on my recovery, on my serenity, all those things, the same way that I used to eat, which is if I wasn't sleeping, working, or actively taking care of my family, like, you know, in the car with them or at the dinner table. Um, I was eating or thinking about eating or sneaking, hiding, cheating, lying, whatever, about food. And today, I don't do that. Today, I'm, I'm you know, from 6.30 to 10 a.m. every single weekday, I'm on the phone, you know, with meetings, sponsors, sponsees, etc., and all the other phone calls and all the other things. And you know, somebody called me while I was on vacation, and um, she said, "What's my? Why can't I stop eating? I go to two meetings a week. I make three phone calls, three three meetings a week, two phone calls a day. Weigh and measure, blah 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 blah." She does all that, and and I said, "Well, obviously that's not enough." And you know, I don't, I don't overwork this program. Right? It says, you know, there is much good will result if we continue on as we have been, but the surface of the problem would hardly be scratched. They're talking about abstinence there, and Today, I must have this thing, this serenity, this, you know, this spiritual life that I, is robust and no later vicissitude has shaken it once I awaken. Right. And um, thank you. And I got there by one way. And we all know what it is because it's me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. That'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And Barbara E., you're up, followed by Vanita L. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for your service and this wonderful program. Well, I have learned so much. I always hate to get to the end of any book, chapter that I've read because I love it and I want to go back and reread it. And fortunately, we do over and over. Well, I've learned for me not to let my expectations to be perfect to exceed my performance and not to compare myself to you, your recovery, your loss, your personal 
spiritual growth because they would be stumbling blocks to my recovery. Recovery. Now I feel yes, I might stumble, but they. But if if I do stumble on the stepping stones on my journey, they might have been life lessons that I was meant to take. My perpetual quest to be thin and think life would be perfect was wrong. It was an illusion. I thought I'd be popular, happy, wear fashionable clothes, get into the best sorority, marry a successful man, have brilliant children. I'd have all of this if only I was thin. I truly needed a new pair of glasses. This book, this program convinced me I was wrong. And listening to you reminds me to be teachable. When fellows call me, even if it's inconvenient, I'm on a meeting or I'm unloading packages, I always answer the phone call because they might be in need and I might need something they have to say. So I have to accept the need to make me right, to make me feel good and make me feel different than anyone else. I can be, except there'll be troubles ahead. There always is in life, but I can go right through them without running to the food anymore by taking action after action, even if they're inconvenient. Like, as I said, when I'm on a meeting, working my program harder today than I did yesterday. And I want to just give a plug before I end to the wonderful stories in the back of the big book. I made a commitment to read one every day. Freedom from bondage, gutter bravado, acceptance is the answer, Dr. Bob's nightmare. They all teach me something about me that I am a compulsive overeater. I will always be one, but I don't have to die from this disease. I can choose to live. Thank you. I weigh my food. I weigh my words. So now I will put the cotton back in my mouth and take it out of my ears and listen. Thank you. I am thank you for your service. Thank you, Barbara E. And Vanita L., if you'll take two and a half minutes, Elizabeth D. can also have two and a half minutes. Great. Um, Recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia. So, yes, I am one of you also, and I must have this thing to survive and to have a um, functional and ever-growing life. I'm really struck today with we hope no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. And recently, I've been paying attention and studying more about a certain um, famous family that seems to be rooted in just putting on a good image and hiding all their problems. And I was struck by there was um, someone criticizing something one of them had done because they came out and publicly admitted something. And they weren't upset that the person had done what they did. They were upset that the person admitted it in public because it was in bad taste. And, um, yeah, I've really realized 
you know, there's so much power and honesty and um, just being authentic, right? Like really valuing being authentic. And sometimes these days too, though, I have to, um, the stage I'm at in recovery, I have to not always focus on the negative either and my feelings. I have to kind of focus on the vision of where I'm going. Like when we say, um, you know, God, show me what you would have me be. I have to keep my focus there. But when there's stuff bothering me, I need to call people and I need to um, admit it and be vulnerable. And um, thank you for everyone who's doing service on this meeting. Thank you, Vanita L. And Elizabeth V., please share with us. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Elizabeth D. I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. I am a recovering compulsive overeater uh, on day nine of entire abstinence for the first time in 21 years of being in OA, and I'm so grateful. Um, You know, this paragraph, um, I think I probably have sat in the rooms at times and um, wondered if the full disclosure, especially when people are sharing their experience with (coughs) the... um, with the food. Um, and what's really funny is, is some of the experiences people shared in the rooms um, of their behavior with food, I went home and tried to, um, in order to put, put it down. You know, I, I put things in the garbage and threw a comment on it because I never heard, I'd never even thought of that and none of it worked. Um, so I'm really grateful today for um, all of the full disclosure Um, of so many recovered members um, because I was desperately in need. I didn't understand that I was desperately in need for a psychic change. I thought it had occurred, um, but I needed, I needed to, uh, um, I don't know. I just needed to wake up. I I, I needed to find out that I didn't know the truth and the false. I thought I did so many things, so many things. And um, the full disclosure that I hear on these lines, on these lines, helped me see that I am one of you two. I must have this thing, and what a shock and a surprise to find out that I didn't. Um, and so, I'm just grateful for all of you on your on your full disclosure, self-revealing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Pat. Thank you, Elizabeth D. And. Thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, September the 21st, 2022, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,431. That's 19431. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Ramona A., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
Obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.